just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Friday. We have another one of those special shows. I call them special shows because it's an opportunity to have one of our listeners on the show, and that always makes it far more interesting. It's not just me spewing shit. I've got two people spewing shit now. And that there's nothing. <laughs> the only thing better than one person spewing shit is two people spewing shit. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not making any commentary on our guest. His name is Eric. He's from the Midwest. He's from Iowa, as a matter of fact. He is a reformed Republican, actually an independent. And uh, now he's he's seen, he, he, you know, frankly, a lot of us are reformed Republicans. I told you I voted for Reagan when I made my first vote for the presidency in 1980. I was 20 years old, but I didn't know jack shit. Well, Eric, anyway, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Um, so I, I will get... You're in Iowa, and we had the midterm elections, and Iowa kind of gets the feel, and maybe they are a red state. Would you would you call Iowa a red state? Well, at one point, I thought they were leaning purple, especially with Obama, because we voted for him twice, and we really? almost had the entire state blue um, in the Senate, no, in the House, right, um, with Obama. Except, of course, we had uh, Steve King in my district, which is, well, its own uh, stupidity. But um, I can't believe how many people still voted for him, despite everything wrong with Steve King. Um, But I thought we were leaning purple. And then after two years of Obama, it felt like the pushback was, okay, we went went for uh, the African-American. American guy, that's a little too scary. We'll go back with what's comfortable. And, you know, all of the, I could be wrong about the demographics, but it feels like a bunch of the people voted for um, Obama maybe left the state or something because, because we shifted back hard right. Well, you know, one of the things about the right, and this kind of leads us to the midterms too, is that, um, Unlike the Democrats, the Republicans, I won't say they're good at messaging. They're just obnoxiously persistent. They yell and they scream and they shove it down your throat. And a perfect illustration of that is the midterms. All we heard was red wave, red tsunami, red wave, red tsunami. They were so sure about it. They were giddy about it. It even bled over into the uh, media, certainly Fox News, but even CNN and MSNBC, everybody believed it would be a red wave. And then it wasn't. I mean, I think that's the, what the Republicans do. They, they, they talk a lot. They talk loud and they talk consistently. And a certain number of people in this country buy it just because it's always there. Oh, I would definitely agree. And, you know, I've been hearing, you know, I grew up in a Catholic household. Went, I had a private education at a Catholic high school, and we always heard that we were the silent majority. But <laughs> yeah. looking back, we weren't the silent majority. We're the very loud minority. But that silent majority feel 
permeates and you, you know, you hear it so much, especially like you said in the media and everything else that they just say it longer and louder than everybody else. That and, people start to believe it. And what they do is they project, you know, they, they project that, uh, that, uh, the Democrats are the terrorists, even though they attack the Capitol. They, they claim the Democrats are the pedophiles, even though all the pedophiles that get arrested happen to be Republicans. Uh, it's, it's weird to watch. Donald Trump is the king of this. He'll, he'll accuse somebody else of the very thing he's doing. And, uh, the media gets a hold of this, and when enough people say it and it's loud enough, there are some people that just don't pay attention that assume it's true because they hear it from all angles. You know, that's, that's definitely right. But uh, I'd say prior to Donald Trump, though, the projection and, and all of that wasn't really part of the Republican Party. I'm, I could be wrong, but I think that a like some of that segment of the Republican Party was hidden. Um, oh, yeah. They weren't out. Like they weren't even, I don't even know if they were actively voting. Um, and they were just, uh, like I said, hidden. They, they would keep their opinions to themselves and everything else because it wasn't acceptable to say the things they were, that he would say out loud. And then when he came out and started to publicly say the things he would say, you know, mocking the disabled reporter and um, referring to countries that were in worse shape than we are as shithole countries and things mm-hmm. like that. They, um, they, they felt emboldened that, Oh, I can, you know, I can say what I want to say now. And they came out of the woodwork. Well, I think, Whereas, you're, exa- I think you're exactly right about that. These people were always there. I mean, if you go back to the 80s, 90s, 2000s, the Republican Party, whether you agree with them or not, you know, at one point it was Democrats, Republicans, six of one, half dozen of the other. They had little different ideologies. We didn't trust either one of them, but they were all kind of at the same level. But then Donald Trump comes in. I think all those racists, all those anti-Semite, misogynist and treasonist and such, they were always there, but they were afraid to come above above the, the 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 terrain because they knew they would be slapped down donald trump steps up says all these things and immediately they think okay ali ali in free i can come out now because the president is saying the same things we're we're saying you know in our own homes so they they, they felt comfortable coming out and that's that's the one bad thing and one good thing that donald trump did is Bring these people to the surface. It's bad because it, it causes problems in this country, but it also exposes the problems that many of us thought maybe didn't even exist. Oh, I would definitely agree. Um, I mean, there was some of it going on. I know like there was the whole birther movement with Barack Obama that always was there pretty much since the minute he announced his candidacy of, oh, where'd you come from? You know, where, you know, and I heard some of that. Um, all the way back to when he was running. I know my very Catholic parents, I had a conversation with them and they were convinced that Barack Obama was Muslim and that, Oh uh, yeah. Um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Now his name. Um, yeah, but you're, t- I think, you're thinking about McCain, not McCain, McCain. The other one, uh, uh Ra- Romney. 
Romney, Mitt okay. Romney was uh, uh, a very good Christian. Yeah. And by comparison, if you, you know, um, they, they were they were convinced that he was the better choice um, just based on that fact alone. And it's like it wasn't even a fact when you had different uh, pastors coming out saying that Barack Obama was a very devout Christian for whichever denomination he was a part of. I don't remember now. And didn't matter. They, you know, they were convinced he was not because of his name. Right. Because they, they kept bringing that up. Like it was the most important part of his, his personality. Um, so there was a lot of that going back with Barack Obama, you know, maybe even starting with Barack Obama that brought some of it to the surface. And then Donald Trump latched onto that as a way of, you know, seeing, hey, here's an untapped portion that could get me elected. Um, well, here's, here's, the, here's the thing is they, you know, they seem to grab onto little tiny things, especially when they don't have anything to go on. They take little things and they expand on it. They elaborate, they exaggerate, and they turn it into a big thing. And it's, it, it's frustrating, uh, not so much frustrating that they do it. It's frustrating that so many people buy into it and they believe it. I mean, that's what happened with Donald Trump the four years he was in office. He said the most outrageous, stupid shit. Those of us with above average intelligence knew that. But there was enough people that said, well, the president said it, so it must be the case. And that's how all these conspiracy theories and all this shit starts. It, it was frustrating because it, it's almost depressing knowing that we have a large enough faction of people that aren't bright enough to think for themselves. And that's why we're in this trouble. Oh, very much. So. It was, uh, I can't believe how much stuff that he just said that people just parroted and repeated and took at, you know, that's easily proven false, but nobody took the time to even think twice about this might not be correct. Um, would they prove something like 20,000 or 30,000 different lies he told just in the four years he was in office? Yeah, I don't remember what, what it was. If you go back to when he started campaigning and I don't believe he ever actually intended to win the presidency. I don't think, I think so he, either. I, I think he fell ass backwards into it because I think it was a grift from the, from day one. Cause look at what he's doing now. I think he, he saw it as a way I'm going to do this. I'll raise my, uh, Profile a little higher, get people to watch my show and um, make some, you know, I'll make some money on the campaign. Maybe I, you know, even though his narcissistic personality really wouldn't let him lose, I don't think he ever thought he would win. And he's like, well, just a good way to make some money and I'll, I'll keep myself relevant and um, things like that. And then suddenly he just kept gaining momentum. And I think we can blame the media for that, too. Because they kept, they're like, they kept covering all of the negative stuff he would say and all the stupid stuff he would say. And they gave him so much free press, free publicity that he didn't have to pay for ads if he really didn't want to. Yeah, absolutely. He was always out there. Well, I, I've said this before. I think uh, the people that are most responsible for Donald Trump becoming president of the United States are places like CNN, MSNBC. They saw he was good television. 
They saw he was a train wreck or a shit show. They knew they could draw an audience by putting him on. When he first started running, you know, before he became the candidate, everybody kind of looked at him as a joke. Nobody took him seriously. If you remember the debates when he had all those Republican candidates, they kind of looked sideways at him and he said the crazy shit. And in their minds, they're thinking, well, he doesn't have a fucking chance. He's not going to go. We'll just deal with this shit. But the more these left-wing television uh, outlets put him on. It gave him credibility and it gave an opportunity for the crazies to latch on to some of the stupid shit he said. And uh, I think they're just as responsible for Donald Trump becoming president and the damage he done he did to this country as the fucking Republicans. I think I think they are for sure. Um, and even after he lost to Joe Biden. Um, they kept covering him for, well, they're, they're still covering him, covering the stupid shit he says and right. um, giving that wing of the Republican Party a lot of credibility because they cover him because, yes, people need to know some of the stupid stuff they're saying and doing. Um, but by covering it as much as they do, they give him credibility. But at the same point, they're almost responsible for the narrative about the Democrats, you know, well, what are the Democrats doing about this? Democrats aren't doing anything about inflation, yet they've done a lot. They try to do a lot. They didn't cover, in my mind, the fact that Republicans, you know, all voted against the Build Back build back Better. They all voted against the Inflation Reduction Act. Every time they tried to obstruct against anything that was progressive, all you heard about was, why aren't the Democrats getting it done? Not, right. you know, Republicans aren't doing anything. I see the media as kind of like it's either a fight promoter, a professional fight promoter, or even a bookie. They're hedging their bets. So when it looks like Trump is getting too much strength, they go to the Democrats and said, yeah, you better watch out for the Democrats. They got this coming. They got this coming. And when Democrats get too strong, they say, oh, Trump or the Republicans is coming back. They did that in the midterms. They told us that the Republicans were going to win this with a foregone conclusion. And then in the middle, when all this bad shit came out overturning Roe v. Wade, they said, well, the Democrats are coming back up again. And then as we got closer to the midterms, they said, oh, the Republicans are surging. It's going to be a red wave. And then when the midterms happened, nothing that they said happened. Nothing. They were just ginning up the crowd to get viewers to make it look like a big title fight. And it was all about money. It was not about facts or truth or anything like that. And I think we have to acknowledge that with these this media. They're not our friends. They're not giving us the facts. No, they're not. And it's not like it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, you know, the media is sitting there. Because Donald Trump made them so much money as president because people kept tuning in for, you know, daily almost to see what stupid shit did he say now, you know, from our side, from the Republican side, they tuned in because he was their guy. Right. And like CNN was getting maybe not all of the viewership because there's a segment that will never watch CNN no matter what happens. Um. You know, obviously, their CNN's lying or whatever is what that side of the aisle thinks. But they were getting some of some more of the independent vote that might be won't go to Fox News, but they were getting more views because it was 
so scandalous. Everything he was saying, they had a scandal almost daily they could use some gaff or he was attacking somebody or, you know, a mean tweet here or some r- ridiculous thing he said or did or what have you. And, you know, their viewerships fall off, their ad revenues falling off their, you know, every bit of it is just changed. They're trying to keep it rolling because that was such an abnormality. And it was so profitable for them. And instead, like you said, they're turning they turn the midterms into a title fight when it never should have been even close. We should have right. Uh, it should have been close. We should have had at least fifty four seats in the Senate. We should have, you know, at least maintained the, the majority in the House, if not gained. But I think some of that was candidates on the Democratic Democrats part too. Um, like you know, here in Iowa, I'd part- say. Part of that is, is is the voters, too. I mean, for the life of me, I don't understand this. Um, in this election, in this midterm election, there, there was 8% more white women voting Republican than there was in 2018. 8% more when we have them overturning Roe v. Wade. What the fuck is that? Are they just not informed? Are they? There, there aren't that many evangelicals out there they all have to either they're not if they're not in uh childbearing age they've got kids and grandkids but still they voted against the democrats when i can't imagine any woman voting against this taking away a constitutional right and you're going to vote for those fucks what what's going on in these people's heads well i think part of that is they don't uh, the segment that was against abortion didn't realize what overturning Roe really meant. Oh, I agree. I mean, they they saw it as well. It only pertain overturning Roe only pertains to abortion. It doesn't pertain to anything else, and that's that. And uh, then they turn around and they didn't realize that it was about the right to privacy and that uh, was it Loving v. Virginia, Griswold v. Connecticut. And a bunch of the other ones are all based on Roe. Even even HIPAA is based on Roe in uh, some extent. That it says you have the right to privacy, and they didn't realize how much of that they were costing themselves. But I think on top of it, it was like we saw a lot of them were breaking against the Republican Party and saying, "No, we want to keep the the right to abortion in our state." But then they'll turn around and vote for the very people who want to. End abortion, right? But at the same, well, at the same have, time, there were like five states, red states, most of them, that had a had a had a, a vote for whether they would continue with uh, making abortion legal, and it passed in every state, in spite of the fact you know they would they would vote for abortion there. But when it came to the Republicans, they still voted for the Republicans. It's fucking crazy. It makes no sense. It's contradictory. Well, it is, but it's it's the one thing the Republicans, for whatever reason, have always been very good at. And everybody says it is the Republicans are good on the economy. And we hear it so much. And I think we hear it a lot from the media because they're corporate owned. And a lot of the big businesses swear up and down the Republicans are good for the economy because it's good for big business. Right. And they've had this message that they're great for the economy. And, you know, 
as a, somebody who studied history just a little bit, I don't think the Republicans have been good on the economy for almost 100 years. Go back to Hoover. You know, they've crashed the economy. How many times have Democrats had to fix it? They've almost crashed the economy every time they've gotten their hands on it. I mean, look at George H.W. Bush. Economy sucked. Bill Clinton revived it. George W. Bush crashed it worse than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Obama comes in and picks it back up. Donald Trump crashes the economy and Joe Biden brings it up. Uh, you know, that that's what I'm saying about the Republicans. They'll say the opposite of what they do and they just say it enough where certain people believe it, even though it's not even close to true. No, I definitely agree. And then, I mean, the economy will sometimes seem to be okay, you know, under Republicans, even though we know it's not like the housing crisis of 2008. And I know a lot of people who lost a lot of money, like in their 401ks and this and that, but I remember it didn't really seem to affect me at the time because I was in 2008, I've been 25. I wasn't anywhere close to going to buy a house or anything like that. You know, I didn't see it. I realized whose fault it was, but I put the blame for that more on the banks than I did the Republican Party or anything they did. Right. But then Barack Obama comes in, fixes that entire mess. And looking back, you can now see exactly, you know, how the economy grew under Democratic leadership. But in the moment, it didn't feel like it was anything that was, you know, responsible. The responsibility for it was that, you know, on George W. Bush's hands, but it wasn't so much that he did anything to cause it. It was, he didn't have a response to it. And he didn't, at least I didn't notice that in the moment. The Republicans have done a good job of gaslighting and brainwashing people. I know people that are Democrats who will say to me when it comes to like the build back better bill, I wanted that to pass. I thought that was important that it would pass. Um, But they would say to me, this is Democrats. They would say, well, yeah, I understand it too, but we don't want to saddle our kids with uh, debt in the future. How are we going to pay for it? How are we going to pay for it? And I always say to them, they gave $2 trillion to rich people. They gave $750 billion to the Defense Department. You never said, how are we paying for it? You never said, is it going to saddle our kids with debt? Why is it only when it comes back to the middle class? I say to them, where do you think that money comes from in the first place? It comes from the middle class because the rich ain't paying taxes. The poor ain't paying much taxes. It's coming from us. So if it's coming from us, doesn't it seem reasonable that we would get some kind of return from our investment? But every time we get the Republicans certainly say, oh, we can't afford that. But we even have some Democrats that have been hoodwinked to believe that, well, if we give people money, if we give it back to the middle class, it's going to shackle our kids and it's going to put them in debt. Well, there's plenty of other things that are causing the future to put our kids in debt and we don't know how to pay it back. I mean, the two trillion they gave to the rich, they're still trying to figure out how to pay that fucker back even though they said it would pay itself back. Yeah, I think that is a messaging problem. I think uh, I heard a lot of people talking about, like with Bernie Sanders and everything he wanted to do. Um, 
it wasn't so much that they were against even at least some of the people I talked to weren't against some of what he wanted to do. It was, well, how are we going to pay for it? He wants to do all this. He wants to give people free education. Well, where's that money coming from? Well, Bernie's never really said how he'd pay for it. Just it'd work itself out. Well, he kind of has, though. He kind of has, though. Um, And I don't know that people grasp it, but he makes a good point. The way we're going to pay for the Build Back Better bill or some of these other bills is very simply answered. Make the wealthy people pay taxes. I don't mean more taxes. I mean some taxes, their fair share. I mean, when you look at Bill Clinton, when the economy was good, why was the economy good? Because rich people were paying taxes. The money was in the system. We could afford to pay for some of the things that Bill Clinton was doing. It's a very simple answer. We got to get money. Where do we get money from? We can't get more money out of the middle class because they're taxed to the fucking hilt. So why not go to the people? who don't pay taxes, how about we don't give them tax breaks, and how about we make them pay 15 or 20%, which is a fucking bargain. Oh, I agree. But the I think part of that, too, is some people that are um, maybe more Republican-leaning, and, may, you know, as Trump says, I love the uneducated or the poorly educated, I think is what he said. Um, they have a hard time grasping some of the numbers they're talking about. So when they say, well, we're going to raise taxes on people making over $400,000 a year, we're going to tax people making over $400,000 a year. They quit listening at the dollar amount. And all they heard was raise taxes. Right. Right. And, you know, so they say, well, we're going to, we're going to pay for it by, by raising taxes on, on the wealthy. Well, people quit hearing it. Oh, we're just going to raise taxes. And that becomes the end of it. Now, if they'd come out and said, well, we're going to raise it by, you know, we're going to make the money to pay off uh, student loan forgiveness or whatever by putting a 1% tax on, uh, you know, goods coming into the country or something like that. I think people would have been able to get behind that better than saying, oh, blank, then a blanket, we're just going to raise income taxes on the wealthy when people making over a dollar amount because they don't don't grasp how much money that really is and how long and hard it is to take that uh, or to gain that much money per year as income. Based on what you said, don't you, I want to see if you agree with this. I've said this before and, you know, people always say we're going to piss people off. Uh, It doesn't matter. I'm looking at the facts and looking at what's going on. What you just said there in my mind kind of illustrates what I've always said. Too many people in this country are too fucking lazy, too apathetic. They hear little bits and pieces or they see it on TikTok and they think that's the facts. That's all the facts. They take no time, make no effort to really investigate what's going on. Like you said, they hear tax break or tax tax increase. They clearly say it's for people above $400,000, but I've had to tell people this, Democrats and Republicans, a hundred times. It's for people over $400,000, and they'll say to me, oh, well, that's okay, but I never heard that before. Well, of course you fucking heard it before. It's everywhere. You're just not listening. You're not making the effort. Well, I I think that's part of it, and I also think it could be um, a little bit to do with the media. um, Oh, yeah, definitely. 
they, they take the easy way out in on the on the TV screen and in print media or whatever. And instead of writing out four hundred thousand dollars in numbers, you know, the full thing, they write four hundred K. Well, right. people, not everybody, even though everybody seems to understand that K is a thousand. They forget it or they don't. They read to a certain point, especially when you see the dollar sign, and they read, oh, 400 Oh, must be over $400. Right. And they they don't make the connection. I don't know if it's because they hearing about a tax increase scares them, and they quit thinking about it critically or what what that exact answer is. Well, you're, you're in Iowa, right? You're in Iowa, yeah. right? Say you go to some small town in Iowa, say Centerville, Iowa. I only say Centerville because I knew a guy that was from there a long time ago. But Centerville, Iowa. You got a couple maybe in their early seventies and you say 400 K or say anything that is kind of slang or kind of shortcut. And these people that are on the TV aren't talking to those people. They aren't talking the same language. And that's the problem. So that you're right. These people aren't lazy that they're the people who are communicating with them aren't communicating at a level where they understand it. They're not dumb. They're just in a different world than somebody sitting in New York or even me sitting in, in, in Minneapolis. Um, I think, I think that's, you know, instead of saying people are lazy, I should reiterate that in a different way. I should say that people in this country are woefully misinformed for the reason, um, that every news outlet you watch gives you a different story. They don't give you a whole story. And the whole reason I wanted to do the Rational Boomer podcast and the Rational Boomer TikTok is because I'd watch these things and somebody I know would say, oh, isn't that horrible? And I'd say, well, didn't you hear the other part of it? Once you hear the other part of it, you get a better understanding of it. And that's the one thing when I do the TikToks or even the podcast, people will say, oh, you make me feel better because there's I understand now there's more to the story. So they will listen because I'll tell them the rest of the story, as it were, and, and they feel more comfort in it. But that there is no money in it for the media to make them comfortable. The money is getting them agitated and upset and stirred up and angry and scared. That's what they're trying to do. So it's a it's a concerted effort to fuck with people's heads. Oh, def. I would definitely agree. And they because that gets that gets the views, that gets the the retweets on Twitter, that gets. You know the the clicks on your on the stories, or you know, going back a few years, that was what sold your newspapers, right? And you know, they didn't care about getting necessarily the full story out there. At one time, they did. That's that's that is long gone. When you know, you find out that half of the radio outlets in the nation are all owned by one company, and the other half mm-hmm. are owned by another. Right, you know, you, they're not sharing whichever uh, story is or the best part of the story, and you flip through three or four or five radio stations, even in a you know state like Iowa where you can get most of the radio stations statewide, you're getting the same message across the board, and because they're all owned by the same three people, right. And there was a time when they couldn't legally do that. I think it's called the Fairness Doctrine or whatever. But there was a time when you couldn't own more than a couple of radio stations in any given market, maybe one or two TV stations, maybe one TV station, maybe one newspaper. So there was a there was a, a wider 
variety of people who owned media outlets. But since that fairness doctrine, like you say, two or three people own everything. And now it's just about their agenda. Um, I, I, I was talking to some younger people today and I talked to them about something that I don't think they're familiar with. They're familiar with the word, but they, but they're not familiar with what it really means. And that is the word journalism. I don't think there is any more journalism. It's all tabloid information that you hear now because of what we're talking about here. Journalism was a very simple thing, you know, back way back when I was young, Walter Cronkite, uh, Harry Reasoner, that sort of thing. They gave you the facts. It wasn't uh, wasn't siding either way. They gave you the facts and gave you the opportunity to decide what you thought. And then you decided whether you were more conservative or more liberal. There is nothing like that. Now, I mean, there's some good outlets like AP and NPR and BBC, but generally the mainstream stuff that people watch is all slanted one way or another. There is no more journalism. No, I would definitely agree that we, you know, there's a few, but even ones that are uh, more factual based that I follow, um, they still definitely lean one way or the other. They might be giving you the whole story, but they're definitely biased one way or the other. And it's, you don't have any un, real unbiased news sources anymore. You just have better ones that are more obvious about it and slightly better versus ones that like your uh, OAN or Newsmax or Fox News, what have you, where they're very obvious about which way they're going. Um, the, the idea of getting just a factual story is more or less gone um, you get their take or their agenda mixed in and you get just enough of the story to get the point to make it sound the way um, they want it to sound look at how many times like fox news will cut a clip of joe biden saying one thing and i can't think of a good example right now off the top of my head but they'll cut you know one sentence out of a paragraph out of his speech to make it sound really bad. Oh, look at what he said. When and, you take and, the whole thing in context, it's not even close to that. And no good journalist would do that. They would, I think they used to call that yellow journalism. Another good example is early on. I don't know if it was during the campaign in, in, in uh, 2020 or, or after he was president, there was a picture. Joe Biden was standing with his hand on the shoulder of a child, a young boy. And he reached down to kiss him on the forehead. Oh, see, Joe Biden's a pedophile. Now, what they didn't tell you is that Joe Biden was at the funeral of his son. And this kid he was kissing and consoling was his grandson. And his dad just died. That puts a whole different context on it. But they will reach out and they will try so hard to make anything look bad because the only the, the the only the only platform that the Republicans have, and this is something people should take note of, the only platform they have is we got to own the libs. They have no ideas, they have no plans, they have no strategies to do anything. Their only thing is to make Democrats look bad. And whether you hate Democrats or like Democrats, you should have to sit back and think these motherfuckers don't want to do anything. Oh, I, I definitely agree. I, you know, I used to be firmly uh, independent. I used to say, I'll listen to anybody. Give me a good idea. I'll listen to it. 
Yeah. You know, we used to disagree. Both sides of the aisle would disagree on a lot of things. It wasn't as much now as, well, we can't do this or we can't do that. Like right now, it it was never, oh, well, we're for trans rights or gay rights or whatever. That wasn't as big of the fight. It was, well, we do need to do infrastructure, but is it, you know, are we doing you know, one trillion or are we doing five trillion? You know, how right. much are we going to spend? That that was more of the, the fight. And it wasn't even, it, it was more of a, which side did you want to go with? Did you want to go with more fiscal? It was more fiscal conservative versus straight conservative about everything like it is now. At least that's what, I, that was my take. Well, of if course. you if you look at when Donald Trump was in, in, in office for those four years, and you had the audacity to suggest Republicans were fiscally responsible. That's fucking laughable. They weren't fiscally responsible in the least. They were the most fiscally irresponsible party ever. I mean, two trillion dollars to rich people adding to the debt like seven trillion dollars or the deficit seven trillion dollars. <throat> These people aren't fiscally responsible. The Republicans bear no resemblance to the Republicans you or I might have voted for in the 80s or the 90s. There is no resemblance to them at all. No, well, uh, I wouldn't have been voting back in the 80s or the 90s, but, you know, even the early 2000s, even with Georgia. W. Bush, you know, I we might have disagreed on some things, but like I said, the bulk of even George W.'s policies were all. It was a matter of what were you spending your money on, not even how or and maybe how much. It wasn't as uh, divisive as it is now. But yeah, the, the Republican, the modern Republican Party is a far cry from what we we had um or what we have now compared to what it used to be they, they uh they've definitely changed they're more about keeping it in the 1950s than they are about yeah. anything else you know it's interesting it'd be an interesting test and it's a test i hopefully we hopefully will never have to see but in 2001 when we had 911 George W. Bush was the president. He was a Republican. And frankly, the Democrats didn't like George W. Bush. I didn't like George W. Bush, and I wasn't a Democrat or a Republican. I thought he was the dumbest president we ever had. That was my opinion at that time. I've since changed that opinion. He is now the second dumbest president I've ever seen. But here's the thing. Remember when 9-11 happened? At that moment in time, everybody came together, Democrats and Republicans. It was all about being Americans and fighting against this horrible attack on our country. I have to wonder if we had some kind of tragedy like that happen today, would the Republicans and Democrats come together or would they maintain this division? I don't know that they would come together based on the climate now. Well, we already, in a roundabout way, we already had that test. Well, yeah, the, the insurrection. Look at the coronavirus. I said longest time. Um, if this would have happened under George W. Bush, George W. Bush would have come out in the early days. He would have said, "All right, folks, this is serious. We're going to get this under control. We might have to shut down for three, three to four weeks. Um, we're going to listen to the experts. We're going to get through this. We might have lost. We might lose a few, a few people, but you know, in the end, we're going to come through this stronger." 
and the people would have rallied around him. There wouldn't have been the, the deniers of the vaccines and all of this. And we would have gotten through it. We probably would have only lost. And I, I don't want to belittle the number to even guess, but we've already lost over a million people. I know to right. COVID. I know it would, it would have been a fraction of that. And I don't even know what that number would have been, but we would have got through it maybe in a month, maybe two. And just like 9-11, George W. Bush would have sailed on to a to a pretty easy reelection. Right. The universe almost handed Donald Trump a second term. Right. And he looked and he he looked at the universe and said, "Screw you! I know better." And, and you know why he said he knew better? Because he's not a very good critical thinker in his own right. Like you say, uh, people will say to me, "Well, it's not Do- uh, Donald Trump's fault with the coronavirus." I beg to differ. Had he done anything, we would have lost far fewer people. Things wouldn't have been shut down. We may not even need masks. If he'd done anything, any normal president would do. But in his sick and twisted mind, he thought, well, if we got the coronavirus, they're going to blame it on me in the election. And so I'm just going to act like it doesn't exist, and hopefully it will go away. Well, he made the wrong choice there because it turns out as much as that coronavirus could have got him the next term, I'm willing to suggest that that coronavirus and all that happened cost him the second term. He might have done all right if he even did half as much as he was supposed to. Oh, I I fully agree. I think that if he would have had even an ounce of uh, compassion for anybody and thought about the good of um, the American people, we would have lost a fraction of the people. He would have sailed to, e- easily sailed to a second term. And despite all of his shortcomings, he probably would have ended up somewhere in the middle when people thought of him as a good president. I know George W. Bush, even though he, he ends up, I, I could be wrong historically somewhere in the middle as a, an okay president, but mostly because of his reaction to 9-11. Right, If exactly. it wouldn't have been for 9-11, I don't think he would have gotten a second term. He probably would have been, he would have been a one-term president, been considered a dunce, which he is. And, you know, people would have forgot about him and moved on. And and if Rudy Giuliani had stayed out of Trump's situation, he'd still be the country's mayor and it would still be thought of his legacy would have been wonderful even though he may not have earned it he just kind of fell into it in 9-11 but of course he gets in with donald trump and destroys his life his legacy his reputation he's probably going to go to jail at this point i tell you what eric we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, we are back on the Rational Boomer podcast. And, Eric, I want to bring it up to current times. Of course, we just had the midterms. Uh, and I had a question for you. I know you're in Iowa, and I know you're an independent, maybe leaning more liberal. Um, Chuck Grassley just reelected to the Senate. He was – we know he was part of this thing with Mike Pence because he was planning to take over – 
when Mike Pence was taken out of the picture. Apparently, he knew something ahead of time. But this motherfucker's 89 years old, and they just reelected him to a sixth term. What the fuck is up with that? Well, like I said in one of my emails, I think some of it is comfort. You look around, and even if things aren't the best, he's been there as long as I've been alive. Right. Um, you know, I remember being in grade school, and multiple different years, we, they would do a social studies thing where you had to sit down and write a letter to your congressman. And they tell you who your congresspersons were. And I remember it was always, for my area, it was Chuck Grassley and Tom Latham. And then you'd write, you'd, I don't remember what I even wrote to him or whatever we said, you know. It was almost always some generic thing of, I'm a student, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, you grow up with this guy. He's been there the entire time. And then you start, you start talking to people who, well, he's, he was in office when I was like 18. You know, he got his first term, and he, he's just always been there. He's, he's just a stable figure. And then you find out how long he's been in office, and because he's been there, you know, when the Republicans have control, he was the head of the Judiciary Committee, and he had some some power in the the Senate, right. which made, made it seem like Iowa, which is normally, except for being one of the first in the nation for caucuses and primaries, is usually a forgotten about state. So it, he seems like he's good for Iowa because he's, you know, he's got a little bit of authority or what have you. And uh, whereas most people just seem to forget about Iowa or that Iowa even exists until, like I said, the primary season. So what you're saying basically is he's been there all along. He's uh, earned a certain amount of power by virtue of how long he's been in there. And maybe from an Iowa perspective, if we vote him out and we bring a new person in, male or female, we bring a new person in, immediately all that power that Grassley accumulated while he was in the Senate and the House, too, I think, for a while. But when he was there, he gained this much power, and you kick him out, put somebody else in, then Iowa's not as well represented as they would be with Grassley. I'm guessing that's what you're saying. I think that's at least part of it because um, you don't hear anything about, you know, our other Senator Joni Ernst, nothing positive. That I heard. <laughs> no. no, but she's more just there. She votes lockstep with the Republicans. You know, you don't hear about her being really heading a committee or anything like that. She's just there. She's biding her time. And, but she'll probably get reelected again for the same problem. And I think you have that issue in a lot of, a lot of states and a lot of areas where, you know, you see them as having, because they give committee appointments and things based on seniority in some cases that they vote in the guy that they think he's going to, you know, the, the hometown person, you know, right. Right. It giving is going to bring your issues to the forefront. Grassley always runs on the idea that, you know, he's not, he still says he's not a politician. He's just a farmer from Iowa and people, people <laughs> yeah. resonate with that idea and whether or not he does have farmland or, you know, whatever, I don't know, but the fact that he comes across and as a farmer from Iowa, where there's a lot of rule, everybody seems to have at least family of some kind that has a, a farm or 
you know, or they grew up, you know, with the family farm or, you know, even three generations back, what have you. Since the bulk of Iowa's economy is agriculture, he uh, resonates with people for that. And they think that even though he's not even on the agriculture committee and things like that, that he's good for Iowa agriculture. Right, right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's uh, an interesting thought, and I, and I would have to say I understand that. Um, let's talk about the midterms. You know, the Republicans have always been these bullies and always walking over people. They claim their big red wave. And then what happens, happens in the midterms. It's not a red wave. In fact, it's kind of an embarrassment for the Republicans. If you watch Fox News, you watch some of the politicians, these people are despondent about this. They were so sure that it was going to be a red wave. And then when it wasn't, they don't know what to fucking do with themselves. I said something before the midterms and see what you think about this. I think at this moment in time, we're at a kind of a paradigm shift. I mean, the Republicans have been the bullies. They kind of been in control when Donald Trump was in office. The Democrats are getting more, more foothold. Um, this midterm thing was supposed to go all the way, uh, Republican and, 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 and I get people who say to me they're disappointed with the way the midterms went. What what people have to understand is I read read some facts. Since 1934, there's been like 22 or 24 midterm elections. And every time in the the average in those midterm elections, whoever is the opposite of the president that was elected, they on an average gain 28 seats in the House and four seats in the Senate. And clearly that didn't happen. And it didn't happen while there was inflation, uh, immigration problems, high gas prices. So this is why they thought they were so sure that this was going to happen. I think the Republicans are a little demoralized now and they have to stand back and take a different look at themselves. They say the biggest loser of the midterm elections was Donald Trump. A large majority of Donald Trump's endorsees, some very important ones, didn't, didn't, uh, win their elections. So now, once this midterm is over, they've really got nothing they need Donald Trump for. And if he's not helping them, I really believe they're going to kick him to the curb and he's just going to flounder for a while because he's not going to know what to do. We see it now with him and Ron DeSantis. He's freaking out now. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think you're going to see um some some more trimming as you as it were going into the next election. Um, obviously, the indictments are going to trim out a bigger chunk of the Republican Party. We know the we know those got to be coming. Um, yeah, absolutely. The defeatists out there are going to say, "Well, the deal if the DOJ doesn't arrest them right this you know today, it's it's never going to happen." But it will. Merrick Garland, he he's the type of person he doesn't lose. He's not no. going to bring a case unless he knows for sure he can win. He's not going to in, indict a sitting member of Congress until he's got a hundred and ten percent strong case. Absolutely, where he can he might not be able to get him on you know eight charges, but maybe he can get him on four and enough to at least get him you know out of Congress. And I think beyond that, you're going to start seeing by their own right some of the fringe parts of the Republican Party get primaried. They're gonna, they're going to start to eat their own party alive, I think. And well, you're going to see they're kind of already starting to do that now. They're starting to eat their own. 
Yeah, and you're gonna see you're gonna see that continue, and you're gonna see the, you know, the Republican Party go back to middle of the. They're they're gonna be conservative, but I think you're gonna see them go back to being more fiscally conservative, like they used to be. Uh, they might be a little more conservative on some of the issues, but I think you're gonna see them soften on a little bit. And even like on a national abortion ban, I would venture to guess we maybe have heard the end of that debate that on a nationwide, I think I would be surprised if they don't come together with some sort of a nationwide thing where we're going to codify Roe and maybe make it three months or something like that nationwide where they, they find a compromise middle of the ground, middle of the road or whatever. Um, Because they're realizing that, this hard thing is not getting them the votes they thought. It did hurt them. And the cooler heads, your Mitch McConnells, and even your Chuck Grassley's, he has his own issues. But I think he's uh, still one of the, the an old-school, middle-of-ground Republican where he will find compromise. Well, let's, let's be honest. Politicians will do what's best for them, okay? And what's best for them right now is to kind of back out of this Trump thing. The problem is, is is if they kick Trump to the curb now, they can't just take a shower and wipe the stink off of him. I mean, if Donald Trump was just a bad guy, call people names, that'd be one thing. But now we find out he's dealing top secret documents. He may be dealing with adversarial countries. He was involved in an insurrection. Even some of the sitting members of Congress were involved in the insurrection. You can't just step away and said, I'm clean now because now I don't like Donald Trump. That's not going to work. It's going to take some time for the Republicans to rehabilitate themselves. And I think you're right. The only thing they can do is try to step back from Donald Trump and, and uh, uh, try to recreate themselves. The problem is, is the base, the 30% or so that follow Donald Trump, they will never change. You can't convince them any way, anyhow. The more reasonable minded Republicans will change. But now you got another problem because you got the Republican Party split. So the Republican Party is weaker and they may go a decade before they win big elections again. Because between now and 2024, it's not going to get better for the Republicans. It's going to get worse. Oh, it's definitely going to get worse. They're going to they're going to have a round of indictments coming, whether it's the end of the year, whether it's in the first six months of next year, whenever this comes up, comes around, um, you're going to see some sitting members of Congress indicted. You're going to see Donald Trump indicted. And, and even though it might not be okay or easy for them to, to step away, what you're going to see is they might concede control of the house if they get it or control of the Senate, again, if they get it, um, by expelling members of their own party. And, you know, turning around and saying, okay, well, we're going to give up control here for a little bit, but we're going to blanket, you know, eject a bunch, of, a bunch of you from Congress. We're going to eject you from our party, and we're going to cut ties. And you're going to try to do it early enough that the American voter will have forgotten by 2024. They're going to try to play the, well, we have a six month, they have a a six month uh, memory span. If we can get it done before the end of 23, maybe we can rehabilitate our image enough going into that election and we can just 
you know, run a, a new campaign with, with fresh faces. But did they learn a lesson, though? They thought the same thing with overturning Roe v. Wade. These people, if you heard them talk, they thought, well, the women got mad three months ago when we overturned Roe v. Wade, but they're over it now. Now they're worried about inflation and high gas prices. And that's part of the reason why I said there wasn't going to be a red wave, because I've been married for 39 years. Women do not forget little things, let alone taking away constitutional rights and their own bodily autonomy. They aren't going to forget that. And they came out in force um, in this election, and it cost them. And, and now they're standing there like, oh, my God, who knew? These women were really mad about that. That's bad messaging. People will say to me, okay, now if they get, they get control of the House, they might have maybe five to seven more, which is similar to what the Democrats have now in the House. And even if they get one extra in the Senate, and they have the majority left there. The Republicans have a serious problem because they can't continue to do what they were doing prior to the midterm election because now they know they have proof, they have an illustration that it does not work, that ideology, that strategy does not work. So now when they get on the other side, they've got two factions of people, the crazy fucks that still want to continue doing what they were doing before, even though it failed, and the other people saying, I got to rehabilitate this, this, this party. So you're going to see, I think you're going to see a little more, um, I don't know what it, negotiations. There were no negotiations. We hate you. You hate us. This is going to force the Republicans to have to kind of get into negotiations with Democrats just so they don't appear as though they're siding with the crazies. I think you're right. And I think if the Republicans do get control of the House, you're going to see, um, you're not going to see Marjorie T- Trader Green. Or your Lauren Boberts or any of the crazy factions, they're not going to be heading any committees. They're barely going to be on committees. Um, pretty much any any shot of investigating uh, Dr. Fauci, probably dead. Investigating Hunter Biden, probably dead. Um, they're not going to, uh, unless he does something horrendous, you're not going to see an impeachment for Joe Biden. Not, you know, if they had had a 30, 40 seat majority. That might have there might have been enough there to get that through, but with only a if they have a three four vote five vote majority, they're not going to even want to bring it to the floor for a vote because they're not going to want to be tied to it because they know their control of the chambers and is uh so precarious that it might not survive the next round of elections. So I don't th- I don't think you're going to see Biden impeached. I don't think you're going to see Kamala Harris impeached. Um. If they happen to somehow, you know, you're going to see them compromise. Like I said earlier in the show about they might come out with a, uh, you know, three month abortion, abortion ban instead of six months or what have you. They might try to come up with a deal now to where by putting it in place in the, you know, in 23, they can, you know, the ones that were angry about overturning Roe will have, been appeased and their base will have kind of gone back to well it's better and maybe been okay with it and and it wouldn't hurt them as bad in the mid in the next presidential election 
Well, the Republicans got a rude awakening. They thought everything they were doing was going to get them votes and it was going to tear down the Democrats. It did not. So they've got to spend the next two years doing something to make themselves look good. Their strategy did not work. So they're going to have to accomplish some things to appeal to whatever audience. I mean, they pretty much destroyed the Republican Party at this point. Let me ask you this. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene got voted back in which isn't surprising given where she's representing. Lauren Boebert's close. She might get back in. Uh, Matt Gates got back in. People are upset about that. Oh, my God, we can't let them back in. Honestly, I'm kind of cool with them back in because they're all worthless. They have no power. I would rather have them uh, on the Republican team than three really talented, good politicians. Those three in the Republican House of Representatives makes the Republicans weaker because they're part of the crazy faction. Those are the people that people are going to try to step away from. So if we can have more crazies in the Republican Party, these people are going to have to step away from them, and it's going to weaken the Republican Party. Oh, it is. And like I said, they're going to they're going to be keeping their own crazies in check by not letting some of the stuff out of committees and and things because they know it's there's not enough of that crazy faction in Congress this time around because too many of them lost. Right. So it well it does it uh, it's kind of separates them a little bit and they've got to keep their own house in order. Um, whereas, like you said, if they had three talented politicians, they might be able to get some stuff done. Right. But. It does, you know, it wouldn't be for the benefit of the American people. No, it wouldn't. Um, be. That's And that's what I'm saying. The fact that we have people like Jim Jordan, who's never offered up a bill, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's on no committees, Lauren Boebert, who's an idiot, Matt Gates, who's an idiot, who may be ending up going to jail here sometime soon for any number of fucking reasons. I'd rather have those people sitting in those spots, making it weaker for 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 the Republicans. Because, you know, like you said, they are going to put their thumbs on those people. Those kind of people and those kind of thoughts are the reason why the midterm happened the way they happened. So they've got to change it. And these people aren't smart enough to change their ways. They couldn't anyway, even if they wanted to. But like you say, the Republicans are going to have to deal with the Democrats, but they're going to have to do something to to push down these crazies still in the Republican Party. Oh, definitely. And, and as as the Republicans are working on controlling their own people, they are going to be reaching across the aisle. And you are going to see Joe, uh, Joe Biden do what he said he could do and said he would do um, from the beginning. And he's going to reach across and you're going to see stuff with bipartisan support. And it's going to be it's going to, you're going to see a lot of stuff. Maybe not a lot. I don't know which bills or what, you know, it's hard to say, you're going to see some things pass with bipartisan support. And so both sides can, can claim some victories on, on some, on some stuff because the Republicans need to rehabilitate that image. And the Democrats are going to take whatever wins they can get because they can come back and say, Hey, look, we were, you guys took the house from us. We still had the presidency. Maybe we had the Senate. And we still got all of, look at what we all got accomplished. And even if, you know, with only having such a thin thin majority, they're not going to ever be able to override a presidential veto for any of the crazy stuff. 
No. So Joe Biden's got everything locked down as far as making sure none of the, the really crazy bills and laws pass. And if they try to, if they do try to pass any of it, it's just going to make them look more foolish. Well, and you know, the interesting thing is, is that if the, the Republicans get the majority in the Senate, guess what? Now the Democrats love the fucking filibuster. They oh. can do the very same thing the Republicans did to them. Uh, the way it's set now, as close as it's going to be in the Senate and as close as it's going to be in the House, nothing is going to get done unless both sides agree on something and negotiate it out. Nobody's going to be able to punch anything through. And that, you know, I've always said bad things after bad things, some good things come of it. And maybe that's the good thing of this. These people will be forced to negotiate and and compromise with one another to work the way they're supposed to be working and have it worked for 10 years. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, I think it's going to be uh, very interesting to see what happens there um, and see what compromising, you know, does happen. Maybe we do get some uh, voter legislation passed. Maybe, maybe they do get uh, like a nationwide, um, codifying of Roe. I, I keep going to that one because that's the biggest issue right now. One of them anyway. Um, you know, maybe we get more of a build back better or more infrastructure passed or something um, because it's widely popular and, it, and it's good for both parties. Um, and I don't, I don't think the debt ceiling is going to be held in the balance. I don't think they're going to actually shut down the government. Again, with such a thin uh, majority, I don't think enough of the Republicans are going to be on board with shutting down the government in order to take away Social Security or Medicare. I think that actually is going to be uh, safer. And, may- and maybe they get something in the works to, uh, to, to salvage it. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, and that's the thing is, is it's funny when you look at Joe Biden uh, since the midterms. And I know a lot of people thought they were hoping for a blue wave. The blue wave was never going to come. It just doesn't work that way in the midterms. What happened was the best possible result for the Democrats uh, is probably the best result for a midterm election or the opposite or the in power party that we've seen in, in, in literally decades. Uh, but when you look at Joe Biden, he don't look worried. He looked pretty happy about what was going on in the midterms. And what we have to understand about uh, uh, Biden is the same thing we saw in the first two years. He was in Congress. He was in the Senate for, what, 35 years? He knows, he you know, as much as we might hate Mitch McConnell, he knows Mitch McConnell very well. They've worked together over the years many times. Mitch McConnell has already acknowledged that the Republicans are in fucking trouble. He said before the elections, we may not win the House because of poor candidates. Mitch McConnell's smart enough to know, as evil as he is, that they got to make a change. And if you've got Mitch McConnell, who's been there for many years, and Joe Biden, who's been there for many years, you can bet they are going to come up with some shit. And it may end up being pretty good for this country. Oh, I guarantee you. I guarantee it. And uh, I think no matter who ends up being Speaker of the House, if the Republicans get um, control, I think Mitch McConnell is going to actively be the one pulling the strings on the backside 
Yeah, I agree. Behind, behind the scenes, he's going to be the one keeping the Republican Party in check going, you know, this is not going to clear the Senate. You're yourselves a little foolish. You know, maybe we need to do this. And he, they're all good at wheeling. The longtime ones are good at wheeling and dealing. And they're going to come to some some deals. There's going to be some stuff. And we're going to get some stuff accomplished. Um, one thought I had today is, is it time that we expand, you know, the House? We have 428 representatives. We've had 428 representatives since 1929. Right. Our population has almost tripled since then. Right. Do we exactly. need to expand the Do we need to expand the house? Add 100 seats, add 150 seats. You know, maybe we should do that. Maybe they should look into that. It well, would actually be good for both parties. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I and I've said, you know, assuming the Democrats got some control after the midterms, uh the first thing the first two things they should do codify Roe v. Wade, number one, they should expand the Supreme Court to make it more even and take some power away from these inept, crazy motherfuckers that are in there. But expanding the House isn't isn't necessarily a bad idea. I mean, when we look at members of the House of Representatives and you compare them to the the Senate, they're vastly different kinds of people. You got some crazy fucks in that House of Representatives. So maybe expanding them would kind of dilute the crazies and and maybe bring us back to some kind of normal. Like you say, they haven't done it since 1929. It's about fucking time. Yeah, it it is. And then I was also thinking, I think we need to go ahead and put uh, a statehood proposition forward for not just Puerto Rico, but Guam, American Samoa, the the American Virgin Islands, all of the territories, and either give them D.C. Um, well, I don't know about giving D.C. statehood. I like the idea that it's not a state. Okay. But, but give it the representation of a state. Right. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I get you know, that. G- give, it the, give it equal representation. Still kind of leave it to be its own thing, but just give it the, rep- the same representation. Two senators and a con- you know equal members of Congress. And then if maybe go ahead and I went looking because I was curious. All of the territories, including Puerto Rico, only have one non-voting member of the House each. Right, right. They can, they can talk about stuff, but they, they can't vote on anything. They can't really do anything other than, well, we're here. We have a little bit of representation. And they don't have um, any representation at all in the Senate. So what I was thinking, and this is maybe crazy, is what if we gave the, the territories each until they became states one voting senator? Yeah. And maybe half the representation they would normally get in the House, but still voting representation. And that would increase maybe some of the ideas. It would increase some of the people and it would make it more of a nationwide election. Well, there's um, a, there's only one reason why Puerto Rico and, and some of these territories aren't states already. Because it's perceived by the Republicans that if they make them states, they'd likely be Democrat, and that's why they obstruct it or stop it or block it or whatever. They're afraid of the competition. I think the Republicans need to take a serious look, and they may have got a eye-opening experience in these midterms. When you start getting the Gen Zs and the Millennials voting like they did in this last midterm election, the fucking Republicans, the old white man is done. 
because you might be able to talk to us boomers or you Gen Xers uh, uh, to to go Republican, but you're not going to convince the millennials and the Gen Zs. And frankly, they're the future. Uh, and at some point, we're going to become inconsequential. It'll be them taking the mantle. And when that happens, the bullshit that the Republicans have done is going to be over. They aren't going to tolerate that shit. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, you know, I'm almost 40 and people in my generation barely have the le- the uh, levers of power. I know uh, one of the guys I follow on TikTok, uh, Tom Powell Jr., he talks all the time about how the Gen Xers and the millennials are barely getting to, to control really anything. It's still being controlled mostly by the boomer generation. Right. And by the time we get the, or and even in some cases like Chuck Grassley, the silent generation, they need to retire. And by the time we, we might not even get a chance to hold the levers of power for very long, maybe, maybe one or two election cycles. And by that point, the younger version of the millennials and the Gen Z and, and even younger are going to start coming up. Look at the one, um, I can't think of his name, the one representative for Florida who was 25 years old. Right, right, got yeah. Elect, got elected to the House. You know, I think both parties need to start looking toward even younger people and bringing forward some of the younger candidates um, and younger ideas. But then you have states like Iowa who go backward. I remember, uh, what was it now, 10, no, 12 years ago? The only reason the Republicans won the governorship, they went back to Terry Branstad because he, he was the familiar face. And if they would have ran, they had to run somebody who should have stayed retired to have a chance at winning because they brought out, like you said, the old white man vote. Well, and it's about time that, that, that the millennials and the Gen Zs kind of dictate their destiny. I find it funny when we talk about the abortion issue, we've got all these people like the Chuck Grassleys or whoever, whatever Republicans, these old white men and women for that matter, it's ironic that these people are making a decision about abortion <laughs> when none of these people are in a position to have a fucking child and looking at them, I'd be surprised if they're even having fucking sex. So, but they're determining whether abortion is going to be an issue. They're a little out of touch here. They shouldn't be the ones deciding that whether they like it or not. The world is the millennials and the Gen Z's and some of the Gen X's. Uh, in the not too distant future, the the fact that we think we have the audacity to dictate what their lives are going to be is fucking ridiculous. Oh, it is, and it comes back to you know some of it's the evangelicals. It's just religion, typically in general. Like I said, I grew up in a Catholic household, and we were taught that you know the abortion was was wrong, and that was the way it was. And I still hear it, you know from my folks and stuff, but how my mom's a straight issue. She's a one issue voter for the most part. She will vote for whichever candidate doesn't matter. doesn't matter anything else about them. If they're against abortion, she's voting for them. Yeah. And that to me is scary because it is. you, I, I tried telling her all of the stuff and you know, if Hillary Clinton had been against abortion, my mom would have, she would have had my mom's vote. Right. And it, because she liked nothing else about Donald Trump except that. And she would ignore the fact that, you know, 
I don't remember how many they said he paid for. You know, a couple of them. The fact that he was on wife what, number three, I think, three, Melania yeah. is. Three, yeah. You know, and all of this, none of that mattered to her. She was you know, basically the one issue. And while I don't understand, but I think some of that would come around. Now, I've got a 10-year-old niece. And my mom probably will be against it until something comes up that would directly affect a member of our family. Right. And then sudden, then suddenly the, the narrative changes and it's like, oh, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. And this isn't as easy as what you, we thought it was or whatever. And I think part of that goes to we have failed this country, you know, in the education system. Yeah. We're not educating people well enough about civics. We're not educating them well enough about health. We're not educating, you know, some states are, a lot of states aren't. And I think we need to put more funding into education um, and just teaching people because the numbers proved like on the abortion issue that when access to contraception was up, when there was more sex ed going on in schools, the need for it was going down. Right. Well, if, if you reduce the need, you're not going to have as many and, and it solves it's a, it's a problem that solves itself. And then you get down to where it's only really medically necessary. And I think that's where by putting the younger people in charge of the gears of power, you're going to get more money into the education system that some of these kids that grew up with better sex ed in school are going to say, why aren't we doing that anymore? Let's, let's go back and do that. And they're going to start changing things for the better by putting money into the education system. They realize we're woefully um, behind the rest of the world in a lot of areas when it comes to that. Out of curiosity, Eric, how old is your mom? Uh, just about 70. Okay. Okay. Good. She's older than me because <laughs> I'm 62. And if you're not yet 40, you could be my fucking kid anyway. Um, but you know, you bring up a good point and, and this is the, with what you said about your mom is exactly the way it is with the evangelicals. Uh, and, and this is how they got so caught up in our politics. They are a one issue group too. They're all about banning abortion. Okay. That's well and good. But, they're willing to compromise any other sin as long as they can get that one one thing done, the abortion. That's why they can accept somebody like Donald Trump, who is the worst of the worst in terms of human beings, the farthest thing from being religious. Uh, the, the, they saw him as somebody that was going to bring him the abor- bring them the abortion ban, and and at the same time, the Republicans see them. Well, shit, all we have to do is say we're against abortion and we get all their votes? Fuck yeah, I'm in. It's like an old, uh, you know who Bob Seger is? I'm familiar. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Bob Seger is the coolest motherfucker ever. He was big in the 70s and 80s. He had songs like um, Night Moves. Okay. (laughs) Well, in one of his songs... There's a lyric, and I don't know that I'll get it exactly. The old people listening to me will know what I'm talking about, it, but it reminds me of the Republicans and the Evangelicals. And and, and, and the lyric goes, <laughs> um, I was using her, she was using me, but it was okay because we were just living free or something like that. 
And that's exactly what the Republicans and the evangelicals are doing. They're just using one another. They're not being honest about it. They're compromising whatever they may really believe just to get something from the other. And that's that's a sad commentary, certainly on our politicians. But my God, our religions are willing to give away their better judgment for one issue. And I granted, I know it's a it's an important issue. I have a real problem with abortion. Um, because, you know, as a, as a concept, I'm not thrilled about abortion. I'm not thrilled about people who are just unsafe and use it as birth control. But at the same time, I know there are circumstances when it's necessary. And to say that all abortions can't be done because we're just against it. Um, and then you have the other point where women should have some autonomy on their body. If somebody tried to do that to a man, like said, listen, if you're under 40, you need to have a vasectomy, a reversible vasectomy, but a vasectomy so you don't go have a kid out of wedlock. Now, that would never happen to men, but they can easily enough do it to to women because they're not just talking about abortion. They're talking about uh, prophylactics. They're talking about contraception and all these things. Um, it, it, it's such a it's such a bullshit thing. It's not real. They're just giving in to what the other one wants so they can get something from them. And and that that's a sad commentary on this country. It is. And, you know, if, if they took one side or the other, um, it'd be one thing, but they're saying, well, you can't have, you can't have the abortion, but you can't do that. You can't have the things that prevent you from getting pregnant. We can't right. teach you about what prevents you from getting pregnant. So, they're, they're triple screwing everybody over because they're not, te- you know, they're not uh, giving you all the facts. They're not giving you any facts and telling you, well, the only thing you can do to get is not do it. Well, I, I like I said it early on, I went to a Catholic high school. Well, I can tell you, I know for a fact, even at a Catholic high school where you're taught it's a sin to have premarital sex, it was still going on. And it was, it was, it, you know. I can tell you this, I married a Catholic girl, <laughs> and in the early 80s, there might have been some premarital sex going on. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. It was still a thing. So, if you know, it's going to happen. Kids are going to, you know, I hate to say it like this, but kids will be kids. They're, they're still learning about their bodies, and they're, they're, you know, growing up, and they're having, you know, they're experiencing life. If you don't give them all the facts... They're left to find out whatever they, you know, they can from each other. And all they know is whatever, you know, their classmate knows. And they talk to each other, but they're not getting the whole story. Um, So I think you have to give, if you want to reduce the abortions, you have to give in and give them access to the contraception and, and give them the education. And it kind of sorts itself out. And then you bring it down to the ones that are only medically necessary. And I saw something, I want to say it was on TikTok. And I don't remember the figures, but it comes out with the average cost of like an abortion is over $2,000. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Most people aren't using it for straight birth control because of the cost. When you can go buy contraceptives for 12 bucks a pack, 20 bucks a pack, whatever it is. And cost wise they're like we're not doing that but that narrative has been out there since i was a kid that that's what they're doing and it's only because of that 
Well, I can I tell you this. Is- in the 70s, you had the girls and the guys get present pregnant accidentally. It happened accidentally. And even still, they could have probably probably protected themselves. But the 70s were a different time. Now we're in the 2020s. And I was talking about with this with my wife. Um, there is no reason in the world that anybody in this country right now can say, oops, I got pregnant. I don't know how that happened. There's so many options, so many ways to handle that situation. The idea of somebody saying, well, I just magically got pregnant. It doesn't fucking make any sense anymore. You got to be accountable for yourself, be responsible and, 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 and take care of what you need to take care of before you do. <laughs> My wife always says to me, you know, sex is great. <laughs> but I've never been in such a passionate situation. And I don't know if this is a commentary on me or not. I've never <laughs> been in such a passionate situation where I couldn't make the right decision before I entered into that, uh, <laughs> that act. And she, and she's right. I mean, there are so many options. There's the morning after pill, there's prophylactics, there's, there's contraception. If you're getting pregnant now by accident, you're either fucking dumb or you are lying to us. You were trying to get pregnant. There's some of that. I think you're, I think you're right on. And I think, like I've said a couple of times, I think part of it is just, it's also the, un, you know, the lack of good sex education because there's still narratives that you hear. Well, you know, well, I didn't know it could happen on my first time. Or um, I saw something on a message board a while back where this girl got pregnant. Right. Um, and she was legitimately told, and she believed it because she grew up in a, a religious household where she thought her body magically knew and she couldn't get pregnant until she was married because you can't have kids until you're married. Right. And the way she was taught, she thought it was just a thing that happened after you were married and didn't understand the biology of it and how you can be in the tw- in tw- you know the 2020s without having knowledge of your basic biology is beyond me. Right. Well, I want to clarify something, too. What I just said is going to get somebody to come out and say, well, what about those girls that are raped or incest? I wasn't talking about those girls. That's a different situation. That's a crime. That is a tragedy. And in those circumstances, absolutely abortion should be an option. I'm not against abortions. I would like to see as few as we could possibly get. But there are a lot of circumstances where women are put in a bad situation where it's it's absolutely necessary. But but again, as I said before, the other hard part of this is whether you're for abortions or not, we're talking about a human right. We're talking about a constitutional right, regardless of what it is. Anytime somebody takes a constitutional right away from you, any right, that should be a red flag and people should be freaking out. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've tried to make the equation with the abortion issue several times is what if it was uh, open heart surgery or what if it was, right. you know, a kidney transplant or whatever. If we were talking about that, you know, it would be. And you said, well, my religion says I don't believe in kidney transplants and you can't have one. People would be up at arms and say, what the hell do you mean? Your religion says I can't have one. We're talking about me, not you. And. We wouldn't be having the discussion. How well, is it that we have a situation like that? Uh, what, what do they call them? Uh, Christian scientists who don't believe in any kind of medical attention, 
They only believe in prayer and let God's will handle it. Well, unfortunately, there are many situations I've heard of. I, I knew a couple Christian scientists where kids get sick, and the only way you can cure them of whatever sickness is through some medication or a surgery, and they refuse to do it. Now, these people, these these parents were taken to court. What do you do with that? They don't believe in any kind of medical care. But these kids are going to die if you don't give them medical care. So they're just going to pray, and God bless them for praying. But at some point, you need to use the tools that God gave us to to heal your kids. So that, that that's kind of a similar situation. It's a medical need, but because of somebody's religion, they said, yeah, we're not going to do that. It doesn't matter if somebody's going to die. God will help us. Yeah, and there are those cases. But those cases still, you don't hear about them saying they put, they maybe push their beliefs on their kids and say, well, I don't believe it. So my kid's not going to get this treatment. But you don't hear about them pushing for, you know, I don't believe in in it because of my religion. And you can't have that kidney transplant to right. other grown adults. Right. And that's that's the difference. And it's if it was any other medical procedure other than an abortion, we wouldn't be having this discussion and it'd be your religion doesn't matter go away right and then we get we get the whole point we get the whole point of separation of church and state we've got republicans like lauren bobert that think that's absolutely wrong that the church should dictate what the uh, politicians do and uh she just doesn't grasp the constitution at all she's the first one to scream Got to follow the Constitution, but then she'll spew shit that's totally contrary to the Constitution. Exactly. Well, I remember back in oh, sometime during the Obama presidency, there was talk for around one of the elections, and maybe you remember it better than I do, about something about Oklahoma City, I think, and a, a group of Muslims down there. They they were all up in arms. It was a news story for a couple months about how they were trying to s- set up. Sharia law and religious law in Oklahoma City, and it was such a such a thing. And they were going to base all their laws on the on the Koran and all of this. And oh, we can't do that separation of church and state. They were screaming and hollering it to the rooftops. And it's it's wrong when it's when it's not our religion in their mind. You know, when it's not the Christian religion, you can't do it. We got separation of church and state. But if it's the Christian religion, well, then the separation of church and state's in the way. You know, when you mention that, are you familiar with a guy by the name of Nick Fuentes? I think it's Nick Fuentes. He's a no, radical. He's a creepy radical right fuck who's on the internet or on TV or whatever. And I heard him just talking right after the midterms. Of course, he's anti-abortion. He's he's a hardcore Trump fuck evangelical. All this stuff. And he went on today, and he says. You know, he's talking about the midterms. He says, abortions are popular. This is popular. And this is what he said. He said the quiet thing out loud. <laughs> we need a dictatorship in this country to force these people, even though they like it. We need to force them to do it the right way, our way. And this is what he was pitching. And I can't imagine, even if you're a Republican, that's got to scare the fuck out of you. How can How can anybody even say that? That I have no idea because it, yeah, it's it's scary because they they want to give away that one of the best things that we've had with this country, and it's a 
you know, it's still an experiment to, that all of the power technically rests with the people. Doesn't right. feel like it, but the no, power should be with the people. And compared to most of the world, you know, we're the experiment. We're not, you know, we're that example where, you know, every four years the presidency has the potential to change. We change our Congress every two to fit the will of the people. And people wanted to bring in a dictator. They don't realize what we'd actually be losing by doing that. Yeah. You know, they think, oh, we'll bring in our guy and he'll do things our way. Well, that only works until you're the target of what he wants to do. Right. You know, it's all it's all good and well in their mind. Oh, he'll come in and he'll make he'll force them to do this and we'll get people to go against abortion. And, you know, no, it just it, it'll just form a resistance and the, things will still be, you know, we'll be no better off than some of the other countries. People, then, people don't typically rebel until something bites them in the ass. And 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 that's unfortunate. They should be more awake than that. Not woke, awake uh, about what's going on in this country. They should maybe plan to handle things before it bites them in the ass. But that's just not how America is. They wait. And as soon as they get bit in the ass, they're screaming like, a, like they're uh, uh, a stuck pig. They're screaming then. But up until that point, they're quiet. And long as it doesn't affect them, we don't care. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think part of that goes back to what I was saying about funding education and doing a better job of teaching civics and learning how our government works because too many people don't understand how many people are screaming and hollering for impeachment. Part of it's led on by Trump, I know, but in the impeachments of senators or impeachments of members of the house, well, the only way to remove them is by them doing it themselves through, through the Congress or through, um, voting them out and people don't realize it, but they're screaming and hollering because it's starting to come back and they're not getting the outcomes they want. And like you said, they, they react too far and they, once it bites them in the ass, then they're screaming and hollering. Oh, well, it shouldn't have done this or we should have done that. And I think if people were better educated, they'd be looking out for things in advance. And I think that's why everyone's like, Oh, well, you go to college, you become more liberal. It's not that you become more liberal. It's you're taught to look at things from a different view. And you're trying to see. Right, right. Well, you know, this is one of the reasons I, I've said all along that, you know, we the $10,000 off on the, uh, uh, the tuition, that's not enough to really do anything. It's a nice gesture, but it's not enough. And uh, I've said all along that we should have free education in this country. And it has nothing to do with money. We need free education in this country because what we found out in the last six years, we have a larger percentage of stupid, uninformed, misinformed motherfuckers in this country. It would be a good investment to make the people of this country smarter. It would be valuable to this country. It would be profitable to this country if we made them smarter. And we can't do that by, you know, making them slaves to debt or causing them not to want to go to college because they can't afford it. We should give everybody free college, at least for the next 20 years, and see what happens. I bet we end up a more profitable and a more cohesive country than we are right now. Oh, I definitely agree. I think the cost of education is ridiculous. 
and I look at just in the state of Iowa, and I don't know if it's still this way, but at one point, uh, Coach Hayden Hayden Fry for Iowa right, was right. the most was the highest paid state official in the state of Iowa because he's paid by the state right. at over a over a couple million dollars a year or whatever it was, and that to me is ridiculous. You know, we could how much cheaper could tuition be if we're not paying some of these people you know a couple million dollars a year just because of the football program and um you know if we make education more affordable or even free like you said you're going to get more people going i know a lot of people are attempting it but i see i still hear a lot of people say i can't go because it's too expensive or um you know i worked in i've worked in retail and i deal with a lot of kids who say I, when I get out of high school, I'm not, I'm not going to college. I'll never be able to afford it or I won't be able to pay off the debt. Or my well, grades aren't good enough. Well, if you want to go from the conservative side of things or the investment side of things, <clears throat> going to college and spending what you spend on college and then getting out and getting a job at 30 grand a year, that's not fiscally responsible. That's not a good investment. I think no, what's no. I think what's going to happen is that, that college is is going to not be an automatic go to. There are some th- you know with technology these days. There's a lot of kids. I know kids. My own kid uh, are going to get certifications in technology, and that's helping them get a job. You know, you take you get a certification. You take about six months. You do it at home. You get the certification. Then you get another certification. I have a brother that never went to college, and now he's a director for a major health company, making a lot of money. And all he did is he got a job, and when he was in, he kept taking certifications and certification, and now he's a fucking director. I think that's how a lot of it's going to go, and I think we should encourage more people to go into the trades. I don't know if you've ever tried to get a plumber or electrician in your house these days. It's hard because there's not enough of them. We need more tradespeople. And they can do that without spending billions of dollars in in, in college tuition. There, there's got to be a shift in education in this country. We need we need well trained tradespeople. We need in, more intelligent people. And I think as a country, we would all be better off. And if everybody got free education and they could utilize that, I think we'd be better off as a country. Oh, I definitely agree. And I think. Um... You know, you say we need more people in the trades. We do. We do need more people that run like as a, you know, plumbers and electricians and things because, you know, the old guys are retiring. The younger guys aren't, there aren't as many. And all it's going to do is um, cause uh, prices to go up for those fields. And which that just raises the inflation because nobody wants to do that job. And there's a, a segment of this country that thinks jobs like that are beneath them. They, they don't are. want to they, yeah, absolutely. They don't want to do it. But they can go to school for two years, get out, start work, and be making a hundred grand in no time. But they don't they don't look at the like for being a plumber, they don't look at the dollar side of it of what their investment is and how much they'd be able to to make for an you know a career. Some of them don't. They look at it. Well, that's just a gross job. I don't want to do that. Right, right. And it's beneath, it's beneath me to do something so gross. I want a blue collar, wear a nice suit type of job. And you know, some of that would go back to just making it education more 
or making education better because if they knew about the trades and how much the earning potential was, yeah. that might change some people's minds. Some well, people only care about how much money they can make. Well, um, a, lot of, a lot of these people just want to be TikTok stars and drive Lamborghinis. I tell you what, I'm on TikTok. I got a few followers. I drive a Hyundai, <laughs> Santa Fe, and 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 you know, some people have unrealistic goals for doing different things. Another area that we've got a huge problem in, and I told my wife this. Uh, she was a teacher for 32 years, and she retired, and. You know, she had complaints about how teachers were treated and how they were paid. And I said, honey, you know what's going to happen when you're gone? It's not going to happen until after you're gone. But these school districts are going to be desperate to get teachers. These young people don't want to take a job as a teacher for 30 years. They want to take it for two years, then go get a real job. They aren't going to put up with being treated like shit and paid like shit. And because there's going to be a shortage of teachers, these districts are going to have to change what they do and pay more money and treat people better. And as we look at it right now, there's a huge shortage for teachers. I know in the Minneapolis school district, uh, they might need like 300, <laughs> 300 substitutes in a given day. And there's maybe like 30 of them. So what do you do? You got a bunch of kids that don't have a teacher. You've got teachers that now have to look over three classrooms because there's no substitutes. The fucking education system is in just as bad a shape as the trades or any of these other things. We've got real problems. And if more people could get education, we would be better off. Oh, definitely. Like you said, you come out of, come out of school with 50,000, in some cases, more hundred thousand dollars in debt well we're going to pay you thirty thousand dollars a year to be a teacher you're not going to put up with that for very long and i think you're going to do that and you're seeing it not just in education you're seeing it across the board Um, the company i work for just came out with and i don't have all the details it's still um kind of new the ceo just said hey we're investing more into our people and we're we're raising wages. Well, they're having to raise wages because they're not getting people in at the at the price points they were at. They not only and, want more people, but they want to keep the people they have because because of this situation, there are other people that would hire you for more money. Just definitely because they're desperate, so they got to pay more, and that's the good thing about the way the the job market is now. Now the employee has some leverage, and that's never been the case. Right, and I think you're seeing it in. in education too where these teachers are saying you need me more than i need you right i can i can make just as much money going to go grab a job at walmart as what i'm doing here with less hassle and i wouldn't have needed all that debt or in some cases they're look these kids coming out of high school are looking at going i can go get the same amount of money without um getting all that debt i'm going to go do that instead because it makes fiscal sense and until things start getting paid, you know, better, it's never going to change. I know here in, in the town I'm in, um, my former boss would always complain. One of the kindergarten teachers who'd been doing it like 40 years was making 60 some thousand dollars a year because all that information was public record because it's a public school. Well, how does how is a kindergarten teacher make that kind of money? Well, it's ridiculous, <laughs> you know, yeah. but doing it for that long and you can't find any teachers. 
Well, and the thing about yeah. it is poverty level in this country, they say, I, I'm surprised by this. They say it's like $50,000. So you got somebody who's taught for 30, 40 years and you're paying them 60000 and you think that's too much? The fuck do you want them to do? Why? I mean, it's 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 pretty amazing how people will look at other people and say you don't deserve anything. But the problem is, if you don't have these people, you're fucking up this country. You're fucking up these kids. Exactly. You know, the education system. We need to start paying them way better. We need to start putting in way more. You know. I think they were on the right track with No Child Left Behind with the idea that we need to teach kids to make sure that we don't miss any students as, you know, and we don't, it's not that we're not reaching the students, but we got to do something because we're missing out on a lot of potentially smart people who... Uh yeah, aren't absolutely. being taught and they're slipping through the cracks because there's no one there to teach them or the, the, the minimum standards that they're being taught to are different than the next state over or whatever where they're not even getting the opportunities they could. Well, you know, and people will say, if we pay teachers more money, then we have to pay more taxes, and I disagree. I worked in a school district. My wife worked in a school district. I know other people that work in other school districts, and I'll tell you what will happen. We pay a lot of taxes to education. If you're in Minneapolis, half of your state taxes goes to education. I mean, how much more do they need? But what happens when it goes to the districts? The money goes in at the top. It gets sucked up by the middle management and all the red tape and bureaucracy at the top, and then the crumbs trickle down to pay the teachers and get money for the kids. That part of the system has to be fixed. We got got to get rid of the fat at the top in the middle of the district and focus on paying teachers and and uh, um, having money for kids. If we fix that, you can pay teachers more and you can handle do better for the kids and not even have to pay more taxes. So that whole fucking system has to be fixed. Oh, definitely. There, there's a lot of waste, not just in, in education and in a lot of the systems. I mean, look at what happened with Brett Favre in Missis, was it Mississippi? Yep, yep. And where they, he was paid to speak and didn't show up. And, you know, we need to do just better about being – this is where I would say I agree with Republicans. As, as more of an independent, I would listen to good ideas. Being fiscally responsible on its face is not a bad idea. No, if you really you, mean it. You, you say all the time, I pay my taxes, I want to get something out of it. Right. I, I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, we pay into all, all these programs and we pay these taxes. You know, let's get something back out of it. And if we cut, if we fix the education system, maybe the money we have in the system by itself is enough already. Maybe it's not. Maybe we do need to invest some. But I think, I think it does kind of pay for itself by the added value that would come back into the economy with these kids being smarter to, to be able to handle some of the things. And maybe we need to look at the curriculums because the things that are important today, and I, and I do see some of this with some of the stuff my niece is at 10 is, is already learning with stuff I didn't learn in high school. Right. Right. You well, know, the, the more successful our kids coming out of school are, the better jobs they're going to have and the more taxes they're going to pay. And that's 
that's what makes this country run. The people, the young people who are paying taxes keeps the country running. If everybody walks out of there, doesn't know shit, and works for a minimum wage. See, that's the other thing about minimum wage. They always say, we can't afford it. Well, they're affording it now because they have to. Uh, the, 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 the market has dictated that they got to pay more, but I never understood we can't afford it. So if you've got somebody working at Burger King and you pay them seven bucks an hour, because you can't afford anymore, you'll go out of business otherwise. But if you really look at it in terms of an economic thing, if you pay these people 15 or $20 more, what's that mean? They buy more shit. And buying more shit is what, what this country is about in keeping the economy going. You pay people better, they're going to come in for more hamburgers. They're going to buy more television sets. But it's very short-sighted. I'm about the money now. I don't want to give you any more money than I have to. But if you actually looked at the big picture, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face. Oh, exactly. I mean, you know, I've worked in retail most of my adult life. And if I've said that too, if you, if you pay people better, you know, they're going to come in and they're going to spend your, spend money at your establishments. If you get, if you get known as the place in town that's paying people, you know, barely, you, barely above minimum wage while you're raking in the big bucks that public opinion gets out there too a little bit and you don't make any it does people you know they talk with their with their wallets they're like well i don't really want to support this business because he's not paying his people very well right and the more the more you pay people the better things are going to be you pay people better out of college better and you should want better for the next generation. Now I don't have any kids, but I still want better for that next generation coming up than what I had. Yeah, you know, I absolutely. Spent, I've spent 20 years and just recently had bought a house, but I spent 20 years renting and we, you know, month in month out paying that rent and getting nothing out of it. I mean, yes, I got a place to live, but renting should only, you know, some people do like to rent and that, more power to them or you're in, you know, depending on your market, but you shouldn't be excluded from the possibility of owning property or whatever, because you can't afford to. Right. And then the landlords get you in. Okay. Well, you need three times your, three times your, your monthly rent and income before we'll even look, consider your application. Right. I need first month's rent, last month's rent and a security deposit. So I need three months worth of rent to, to rent to you. Well, then once you're in, I know you can't afford to go anywhere else so that I can keep raising your rent. And if you pay people better, and especially if it spikes really quickly, the landlords aren't going to be able to keep up. And you're going to give people an opportunity to get into better housing situations or whatever. And they're going to be able to come up, pull ahead and get ahead and put that money into the economy in other ways. Well, I've told people, you know, when it came to paying off these 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 loans for kids, and they say, "Well, I paid my loan. Why will you give them a free ride?" And I, again, I tell them, "You got to look at the long haul." You're forty. You're how old are you? You're you're not forty yet, right? I will be forty next year. Okay, so I'm sixty-two. Say I lived in my house for thirty years. I'm looking at my house as part of my retirement. I want to sell that house for as much money as I can possibly get. But if all the people like you or the younger people are saddled with debt, now either you can't afford or qualify to buy my house. 
So what's that do to my house? It drops the value of my house if nobody can qualify and nobody can afford it. That's what you got to think about. That money is invested in you or anybody that has a loan so that you can afford to keep the economy fucking rolling. And it might bite me in the ass if I try to steal this this money away from you. And they don't think that way. They don't consider that option. No, they don't. They're like, well, I paid for my house. You know, you pay for yours or whatever. And I'm only going to worry about getting access to things that benefit me. Right, 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 right. Exactly. And they don't see that big picture, like you said, where, you know, you sell these people with some of these people have paid 30 years on their loan, have barely paid the interest off, and they're not any closer to right. Um, even paying on the principal. Right, exactly. Well, how, you know, you're sitting with 30000 50000 whatever in student debt, and you're not going to get anywhere. No, you definitely. You know, how are you going to have money to do anything like buy your buy a house from somebody? How are you going to, you know, oh, you're stuck buying a two thousand dollar piece of crap car? Right. It goes to crap. You buy a two thousand dollar piece of crap car. Yeah, and you're and also you're not buying a new price. car and keeping the economy going. I, I what well, you know what I I've kept you a long time here, and I appreciate you being patient and sticking with us. But uh, we probably should wrap it up. You probably have to work tomorrow. I don't, but, <laughs> but you probably do, and you need to get some rest. So I appreciate you uh, spending the extra time with us here. It's an interesting conversation. I love talking to the listeners, and I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I, I, I've enjoyed it. It's been uh, kind of fun to do it. It is fun. It's easy. People always say, well, I'm kind of nervous. I'm not going to let you hang out there to dry i'm gonna i'm gonna carry along and in cases like with you and some of the others i don't have to do anything i just have to say one thing and let you talk and, and it works out well so i i appreciate the input and i appreciate your perspective on stuff you're from a different generation and we should be listening to that just as much as some old white guy like me oh yeah i think we i think you're right we do need to listen to the younger generations even the ones younger than me i mean Oh yeah, I'm, absolutely. I hate to admit it, but I'm getting getting closer to being middle aged, and you know, I don't have all the answers. No, so, no. and I'm halfway to retirement. Well, the I'm MJ, lucky. They've got twenty more years on me. You know that the decisions even I'd make, you know, aren't going to affect me for that much longer. Where it's going to affect them even longer. Absolutely. Well, I'm fortunate. I have a son that's thirty five, a son that's going to be twenty nine and a wife that's my same age, and they know all the answers. So <laughs> all I have to do is go to them, and and we're good. We're good. Anyway, Eric, thank you very much for spending the time. Uh, anytime you want to come back, you're more than welcome. Just email me, and we'll set it up. Okay. Sounds good. All right. For those folks at home, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Uh, I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.